Welcome to Searching for the Question Live. Uh, my name is David Orban, and uh, this is the second AMA, Ask Me Anything, session that uh, uh, we have uh, together. We are streaming live uh, simultaneously on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube. And you can send me your questions uh, directly on those platforms. I will be able to display them, and uh, I will be able to answer them. But uh, I also set up another uh, couple of ways that uh, you can uh, send your questions. Uh, one is uh, persistent. Uh, you will be able to join the community on davidorban.com slash discord, where we discuss the themes, not only of this episode, but also uh, those that uh, I um, will uh, have uh, with my guests uh, in the future or uh, that I had in the previous uh, more than 50 episodes of uh, Searching for the Question live. And we had guests of all kinds uh, with uh, very interesting themes uh, that I'm sure you will enjoy discussing further in uh, the Discord server. So we set up uh, a specific channel for the uh, Ask Me Anything questions. So you can uh, send them there as well. Uh, or specifically for uh, this um, second AMA session, I uh, set up uh, Slido. Slido is a very mm, smart platform for uh, asking questions and voting on the questions. That is what I like about it, uh, especially because it enables uh, the best questions to bubble up uh, in uh, a very natural sorting uh, based on the, the participants. So uh, if you uh, go to uh, Slido and uh, enter uh, the hashtag D-O-A-M-A-2, David Orban, ask me anything, number two, easy to remember, uh, you will be able to see the questions that uh, are already lined up and also add uh, your own. And uh, of course, as uh, with every show, uh, I also want to remind you that uh, if you like and appreciate the content that I produce with my team, you are welcome to become a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor, according to the various tiers on patreon.com slash David Orban. So uh, let's uh, start and uh, see the questions on uh, Slido. And uh, then um, see uh, what possible other questions come up uh, on uh, the various platforms in the form of uh, live comments. Uh, but uh, we will uh, look at the Slido questions first. And uh, as far as the length of this stream is concerned, originally, Searching for the question live uh, is uh, meant to be an hour long. We had exceptions in the past. Uh, for example, uh, Stephen Wolfram and I uh, had a conversation that lasted uh, more than two hours, and that was really wonderful. So I don't know how long it is going to be. Uh, either uh, we run out of questions or uh, we run out of time. So we will see. So here you go. Uh, this is the Slido uh, interface in the so-called presentation mode. Uh, if you connect, 
to the uh, address on the QR code, or you type slido.com and then enter manually the hashtag DOAMA2, it is the same thing. But instead of seeing this kind of presentation mode, you will see uh, another interface where you will be able to enter the questions as well. It works on your phone. It works on um, your browser. Uh, quite wonderful. So uh, let's uh, scroll through the questions. I have the privilege, I must tell you, of uh, both uh, uh, you know, uh, obeying the system and uh, picking the questions that have been voted the most uh, or not. I also have the privilege uh, to not necessarily answer every question. Um, someone, oh, actually, it was uh, Richard Sol Worman, uh, the creator of uh, TED and the inventor of the expression um, information architecture. Uh, um, Richard uh, quipped uh, in a comment. Uh, when I posted that uh, I will have this uh, session with you, that uh, um, that could be a dangerous uh, thing. Well, the the session is called "Ask Me Anything," so you are free to ask every question. It is not uh, called "I will answer everything." Uh, it would be a little bit uh, too sadomasochistic uh, if uh, if I committed to that. So. Let's uh, pick uh, one uh, question here. And, and, and thank you, by the way, to Emiliano and uh, Massimo and Gianluigi and Jay and um, who else? Anonymous uh, for, for uh, all the questions. All right, let's, let's start from the top. So um, here you go. This is how it works. Um, will there ever be a faster internet connection than 5G or fiber to the home? Will zero lag communication be possible? Okay. So as far as the second part of the question is concerned, the answer is easy. I wish. I wish actually that uh, we lived in a universe where the possibility of instantaneous communication were possible. Or, or maybe I don't. So I gave a talk about this uh, on, uh, uh, in New York uh, about ontological cosmolo cosmology. Ontological cosmology is a term that I came up with. It's basically thinking about what kind of universe you would like to be living in if you had a choice. And then checking whether the universe that you actually are living in corresponds to that kind of, of, of universe or not. So let me see if I can uh, uh, bring it up uh, quickly uh, and uh, show you because... Okay, let me bang on the keyboard here. There you go. This is it. So um, let me share the screen. All right. So 
Um, in this video, uh, I talk about the uh, evolution of, uh, of the universe and uh, how we learn about it and then how we uh, can ask ourselves, uh, what is the nature of the universe? And the more we learn about uh, the universe, the more we want to know. And the more we equip ourselves with tools that enable us to learn uh, as much as, as possible. So the theoretical limit of how deeply matter can think about the world is called computronium. Per definition, the computronium is the densest possible thinking compound. So if you want to think more, with computronium, you can do nothing but add matter to the mass that is already thinking. So computronium will eat everything. It will eat uh, its planet, its uh, satellites, uh, everything available in its solar system, and then further. So if faster than light communication were possible, then we would be eaten by a computronium-based brain that has no upper limit. But if faster than light communication is not possible, then the left side of the computronium brain is going to go left. The right side is going to go right uh, in their insatiable hunger of thinking more and more. And they will not be able to tell each other, wait a minute, if we do that, we will break in half. And whatever that radius is, whether it is a kilometer or a light year, it doesn't matter. If faster than light communication is not possible, then a computronium-based brain cannot eat everything in the universe. And I like variety. I like uh, the possibility of different approaches to the same problem. So that is the kind of universe I want to live in. And that means that uh, the kind of um, kind of um, communication that uh, uh, we were uh, proposed by Emiliano shouldn't be possible. I also think it is not possible, but I also think it should not be possible. Now, as far as and, and, and sorry, uh, let me be just more explicit with regards to the second part. Since it is not, not possible to communicate faster than the speed of light, whatever the distance, it doesn't matter if it is one centimeter or one kilometer or one light year, whatever is the distance, the lag is always going to be there. Will it matter? Well, it depends on the type of applications that you want to run. You know that uh, if you are uh, fighting in a, in a shared uh, video game and there is more than maybe five millisecond lag, uh, the other players who are very good and have a faster connection than yours or a connection with a lower lag than yours will kill you. So in that case, you will want it to be lower. But there are other... Um, types of communications where uh, a kind of lag is, is acceptable. So, for example, between your brain and your leg, 
there is a lag, uh, but uh, we survive with that too. Now, the first part of the question, uh, will there be a faster internet connection than 5G or fiber to the home? So 5G, definitely. Uh, we will learn how to massage the radio waves and uh, have uh, uh, a greater bandwidth than available under 5G today or tomorrow because 5G is still being deployed and its uh, maximum speed is going to increase as well. But as far as fiber, what is amazing about fi fiber is that once you lay it down, the, the glass doesn't need to be replaced. What may need to be replaced are the endpoint uh, transceivers, transmitters and receivers. But as long as you have a widespread fiber infrastructure, you can actually improve those and move from one uh, um, hundred megabit to one gigabit, from one gigabit to 10 gigabit and so on. And that is why it is so important every uh, nation that is able to implement a widespread fiber strategy to lay down cables in not only the backbones, but the, uh, as a uh, widespread manner as possible, is going to gain a lot of uh, advantage uh, as a consequence in the, in the future. Um, so, um, thank you for telling me that my camera is uh, sometimes out of focus. And it is autofocus. And I have no idea why it likes to um, put my books in focus rather than me. I, uh, it makes me mad. And I do this silly thing with my finger and then it goes to my eyes. It's as if it wouldn't see my face. It should be seeing my face. Sorry. And thanks for uh, uh, making me aware of that. All right. So this question is taken care of. Uh, let's go to someone else. Um, let's go to Massimo. Massimo is asking, what is the most important insight you gained by creating online content during the past several months? So I haven't been only creating content uh, uh, during the, the, the past um, three, four months, even though the intensity with which uh, I, am, I am doing that has uh, uh, greatly increased. And uh, the opportunity has been to not as much discover this as a new thing, but to strongly confirm that as far as I am concerned, it is so much better to just start doing something, even if it is imperfect, and then improve on it, than not pretend that you will get it perfect and wait until you get there and only start at that point. And I can actually give you specific um, testimony about how this is uh, uh, working very, very well for me. Um, if I waited for the stream to be perfect, 
maybe I would have found so many of you, but for sure, I couldn't have leveraged the advice that you are giving me. The advice like I received today, hey, buddy, your camera is out of focus, or advice that I received in the past, why don't you switch your chair that has a high uh, back, which is possibly comfy, but it's ugly on the scene with one that is lower? Or why don't you improve your lighting? Or why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And, and so that is how you get better, by accepting that you are imperfect and listening to advice and improving things. And I have friends who say, oh, I want to live stream. And I ask them, okay, uh, when is your first live stream? Oh, no, I, I have to set things up. And not one, not two, but dozens of people I know have not started doing one show. They accumulated over the course of the past, I would say, year or more, zero experience. And of course, if you screw up at the beginning, the proportion of your future viewers that see you screwing up at the beginning is exactly zero. Because if you have a few viewers, then fine, they see you screwing up, but maybe they will help you. You know, they will love you for the imperfection of what you do. But the number of those viewers is guaranteed to be very few. So if in the future you reach millions of users, in proportion of those millions, the handful that saw you being very, very imperfect is literally very close to zero or practically zero. Um, I am an, an admirer of um, Brad Pettis. And, and Brad Pettis formulated um, a few years ago uh, something called the Cult of Done uh, Manifesto. Let me Google it. Cult of Done Manifesto. When I have guests, uh, I have the advantage of being able to um, talk to them and then have them speak. And while they are speaking, I am able to, to Google and uh, bring in via Google the things that I discover without you realizing uh, that I am doing that. So let me read this to you. There are three states of being, not knowing, action, and completion. Accept that everything is a draft. It helps to get it done. There is no editing stage. Pretending you know what you are doing is almost the same as knowing what you are doing. So just accept that you know what you are doing, even if you don't, and do it. Banish procrastination. If you wait more than a week to get an idea done, abandon it. The point of being done is not to finish but to get other things done. Once you are done, you can throw it away. 
laugh at perfection it's boring and keeps you from being done people without dirty hands are wrong doing something makes you right failure counts as done so do mistakes destruction is a variant of done if you have an idea and publish it on the internet that's that counts as a ghost of done done is the engine of more so um i loved this so much that i created the italian version with manifesto del culto del fare and uh, that's it well it was actually the manifesto of the manifesto of the cult of done because i not only translated it but uh, i also typeset it the way that the original was so uh that is the reason why i love experimenting i get my hands dirty i learn a lot i get uh, in wonderful relationships with people that i wouldn't have met if i didn't put myself out there um, to make mistakes and to learn together so that was what i wanted to share with you in replying to the question from massimo all right let's mark this done as well um let's take this how can i prepare best for the interviews at the teal fellowship so the the teal fellowship is a is a, an interesting beast uh it's um a uh, uh, it's 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 the only activity of the teal foundation um that uh, has been uh, established by uh, peter teal um and um, the teal fellowship it pays uh people uh, who are up to 25 years old uh, to follow their projects and passion with basically no strings attached except one condition which is they have to drop out of college and and this is um, pretty amazing uh, a lot of people feel that uh, that uh, this kind of uh, responsibility shouldn't be uh, thrown on 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 people who are uh, young um they they have to be less than uh, uh, 22 and uh, it is true this kind of uh, uh, program is not for everyone however it is a wonderful opportunity for a lot of people for whom uh, college would not be the right thing because there are a lot of people who feel that uh, the programs that uh, they are subjected uh, to during college are uh, a waste of their time 
and too many live under the assumption that college is the ticket to uh, getting a job. And this is not true in many, many places of the world. Uh, just because you have a degree, that doesn't mean that you will get a job or the job that you want or, that, or, or a job that pays enough. And this is where the cult of non manifesto comes into play again. Yes, college is necessary if you want to teach at university or if you want to participate in most uh, research programs uh, that will require not only a college degree, but very likely uh, a doctorate, a PhD. But apart from those two conditions, for the vast majority of people, a PhD after a college is a huge waste of time. And for a lot of people, even a college degree is a waste of time. Because in that eight years, if you have a PhD, or four years, five years, if you have a college degree, you are able to do so much and learn so much by getting your hands dirty rather than listening somebody else telling you uh, what they know and pretending that you um, internalize it without uh, proving by yourself your worth, your talent, and how it aligns with your passion, etc. So the TL Fellowship receives a lot of applications from all over the world. And I am not part of uh, the, the selection process. Uh, I like to talk uh, to uh, the candidates and, uh, and mentor them, um, helping them both before and sometimes after uh, being selected or even after being rejected. Because it is really not a definitive filter uh, nor uh, the award committee is going to get it uh, always right. So I'm always telling the candidates, uh, be genuinely yourself, be passionate, uh, be uh, ambitious, maybe uh, be immodest if you feel that's what you are, uh, but recognize that there are so many other paths and so many other people, including very smart people. And, and your job is to find them, find the paths, and, and then uh, there will be a lot of opportunities, including the fellowship, but also others. And the project really that you may be presenting is an excuse. Nobody pretends, nobody can reasonably pretend that you can be uh, an entrepreneur that has a lot of experience and that you will apply that experience to that new project when you are 20 or 19 or 18 or 17. Because there have been uh, people who entered the, the fellowship at those ages. But the project, whatever it is going to be, is a great excuse to have a conversation, to learn about you more, uh, to understand your leadership skills, the fact that you are sufficiently self-directed, 
that uh, you are able to face and overcome challenges that are going to be in unlimited supply. Okay, so let's see. Set this done and go to the next one. Um, do you think that autonomous cars could be a good alternative to trains in areas where there isn't a good railway uh, in infrastructure uh, available. Uh, somebody suggested that uh, uh, the microphone being uh, in uh, the picture is the reason why the camera goes out of focus. Doesn't look like it is, does it? Because now the, the, the microphone is not in the picture, but the camera uh, still went out of focus. Sorry for that. Let me see if more light will, will make it better. Maybe a little more yellowish light, even if it is more not too white. Let's see if uh, it will be a good uh, focus uh, this time around. And also, since I moved uh, the microphone, let me know if uh, uh, the audio is good or now I'm, uh, of course, uh, finding uh, a trade-off that sacrifices audio in order to be in focus. So back to the question, can cars substitute trains? Well, the investment is completely different, right? Uh, for a nation, to invest uh, in trains, something like the US, for example, where the train um, network is extremely weak and insufficient, is a huge endeavor. Now, would it benefit the US to invest in high-speed uh, uh, rail like uh, China is doing? I think it would definitely benefit to do that especially uh, in um, the, the great distances. So there is one being now planned between San Francisco and LA, but uh, it is uh, a huge cost. Uh, they are uh, expecting it to cost something like $50 billion or maybe $100 billion. I don't remember. A huge amount of money. And it is guaranteed whatever they are projecting that the final cost is going to be twice or four times that much. Now, the advantage of, of, of trains, of course, is that uh, they are very safe, uh, they are very re reliable, uh, they uh, have a great um, environmental impact, meaning that it is very low, uh, and um, you can run electric trains, uh, you can run uh, levitating trains, uh, you can run all kinds of upgrades uh, where you improve and incorporate uh, new things in, in uh, the existing infrastructure. However, the cost per mile of a train is not necessarily very good unless there is a lot of people occupying the train. 
and and that is why in the US they are saying okay let's do trains uh, in the very crowded segment between San Francisco and LA but let's not have a train in other parts where we don't know if uh, we can project a large number of people taking the train it is a little bit of a self-defeating reasoning but it is part of uh, the decision-making process for sure now self-driving cars satisfy the previous list of benefits they are very safe they are very reliable they have a very low environmental impact but they will have an occupancy rate that per definition is going to be very high so let me take these uh, one by one very safe it is expected that they will reduce accidents by 95 97 99 percent we don't know yet but we know that a million people die today of car accidents and we expect self-driving cars not to drink alcohol not to fall asleep not to text while driving uh, on their uh, phones instead of watching the road and so many other things that humans do that they shouldn't be doing when they are driving uh, self-driving cars are, are not going to do all those accidents are going to go away they are also going to be reliable because a self-driving car is not going to um, forget about maintenance of the car or changing the tires or um, not going to be checked up actually it is going to be able to self uh, deliver uh, to uh, the repair shop as soon as uh, something is wrong so self-driving cars are going to be extremely reliable self-driving cars are also going to be electric now it may be the case that traditional car companies are not telling the public everything they already know because they have this uh, self-preservation instinct they want you to buy this year's model and next year's model and the model the year after especially internal combustion engine cars because those are the ones that they know how to sell and build at a profit but don't do that don't buy a car today that is anything but a tesla and if you cannot afford a tesla don't buy a car every car that you buy is going to end up to be impossible to resell if you want to resell it and you will not want to keep it for 10 or 20 years without being able to switch to a new type of transportation that is behind the corner and hopefully there will be other cars not only the tesla that are worth buying but as of today on the market there aren't so the possibility of having an electric self-driving car is in my opinion what we have to look at and then calculate the 
environmental impact as well as the cost per mile uh, transportation that these cars are going to be able to deliver. And they are going to be really unbeatable. We will be able to uh, have a transportation that is absolutely uh, fabulously um, inexpensive compared to anything we have today, including that new form factors are going to be available. If you have just one person in the car, that is the person that is going to be transported with a car fit for the number of people. If you have three people, four people, six people, you will tell with your phone what you need and, and that is the car that is going to come to pick you up and bring you uh, anywhere. And people who don't have a driving license are going to be able to be in a self-driving car. Uh, people who are disabled are going to be able to be in a self-driving car. Or children. Uh, and you are not going to be worrying about their safety as they are in the car. Or you will transport uh, all kinds of um, packages that today are not worth uh, transporting. What about me delivering this or, or this? Well, today I am not able to pay less than probably 30, 40 euro or dollars in order to bring these to the next city. And, uh, and uh, the uh, self-driving cars, robocars, um, are going to be able uh, to do that. Uh, if you want to uh, look at uh, more in detail uh, uh, this, this subject, uh, we had um, an episode of Searching for the Question Live with uh, Brad Templeton. And, and Brad uh, is um, one of the world's experts uh, in uh, self-driving cars. So uh, uh, you should uh, definitely watch uh, this episode where we talk about uh, uh, supply chains and, uh, and um, flying cars as well. Uh, we look at uh, so many different uh, uh, issues around uh, the, uh, the, the, the wonderful revolution of self-driving cars. <laughs> look, at, look at the beard I had. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So let's go to the to the next question. Um, Massimo is asking, how do you feel about meeting so many people online? compared to traveling around the world to meet them. Well, I love to travel and I love to meet people. And uh, as a consequence, I miss it. However, the infrastructure we have in order to meet people online is really wonderful. And so I enjoy it greatly. 
and um, I have no qualms about establishing relationships online, and then, when possible, to meet those people in person. And it is not uh, new to me. It is not something that I have just started doing, uh, but uh, I have been doing it for a long time. For example, uh, let's see, David Orban Agnon and Turboy. What comes? There you go. Uh, Turboy. Let's include that as well. Well, I don't know if uh, we are actually there uh, because these are all females. Uh, and maybe this is not him. Anyway, it is just one of the examples that came into my mind uh, when, oh, I'm not uh, sharing the screen, apologies. So when Second Life uh, was um, big 10 years ago and more, uh, I had a community of thousands of people that uh, did uh, all kinds of uh, very cool things. And I would meet avatars that uh, would be called all kinds of strange names, and they would be um, having uh, sometimes a human shape, uh, other times uh, a non-human shape, and, uh, and it would be fine. There would be no problem uh, uh, with that. So the example that I am uh, now... Um, quoting is uh, with an avatar called Turboy that uh, I kept calling Turboy for a long time even after meeting him in uh, in the physical world and uh, and he is uh, now I think in Ireland and he founded uh, a company called uh, Echo BNB and and i wonder how he is coping uh, because it is about travel and just like uh, airbnb is uh, um, having a hard time i am sure that uh, echo bnb is having a hard time as well so this is an example to go back to uh, the question uh, that we are now looking at of a wonderful online meeting that became uh, a friendship in the physical world. And I expect this to be the case going forward. And, and we'll see what the, the balance or the proportion of these uh, uh, is going to be. Uh, if I can start traveling again, I will be very happy to do that. And and then the, the physical uh, meetings uh, or the meetings in the physical world will uh, will restart. If not, I will keep meeting uh, people in the online worlds and, and that will be fine too. So let me take a look at... Um, wow, all right. So here is a friend. Uh, let, me, let me share this uh, with you because... Uh, we have uh, this. Um, uh, we have this um, uh, Discord server, and uh, you you cannot uh, really uh, 
see it. It doesn't matter, probably. Uh, I just wanted to take a look, and I didn't want to abandon you why I, I, I did. So here is another example. Hello, Robin Good. So Robin Good is someone that I have been following uh, online for a long time, and then uh, we met uh, in, uh, in physical uh, space. Uh, let me see if I can find David Orban Robin Good. Um, no. Um, huh. Wow. All right. So probably this uh, photo comes up because I must have taken it. Yep. There you go. Um, Wikipedia is, uh, is fantastic. So I didn't know Wikipedia had this uh, photo of mine, but since I release my photos under Creative Commons, people uh, pick them up and post them on Wikipedia. And I'm happy about that. And so here is uh, Robin Good uh, with uh, our mutual friend, uh, Marco Zamperini, who passed away uh, a few years ago. And so 12 years ago, after following uh, Robin Good uh, online for uh, a long time, we were able to meet. I don't know if that was the first time we met. Uh, and, and, uh, and now Robin Good is here in the, in the Discord server. So um, let me actually take a, a screenshot and paste it here just to be funny about it. I don't know if he's watching uh, and then going back to the Discord server, realizing that I am streaming the, the server content. All right. I think this is part of the fun. So let's go back to the questions and look at another one. Okay, this is fun too. Do you like arcade games? And if yes, can you show your arcade setup? So absolutely, I do like arcade games. And let me see if I can show you my setup. Okay. So, uh, this is the streaming setup that you are seeing right now. I think I have to clean the lens a little bit. Sorry. Okay, let's see how it is. Is it better? Yes. So, uh, this is the, 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 the setup with my camera, which refuses to be in focus today. My monitor looking at the stream itself. These are the questions, right? And here, here's my dog. Hello. Hello, dog. 
Hello. She's blind. Let me... Do you want to go out? She doesn't speak English. So here is my arcade. This is the arcade um, that my son Cosimo and I bought. And um, obviously it goes back uh, to the 90s as a, as a concept. Well, maybe the 80s actually, when coin-ops uh, were uh, popular and you would go and uh, put in uh, money uh, in the uh, machine uh, in order to uh, play the games. And um, that's, uh, that's my arcade uh, setup. So I, I hope the uh, audio of that wasn't uh, too bad because I went uh, away from the, uh, from the microphone but uh, that is how you can uh, play video games uh, from the past today and uh, it is uh, it is really fun my favorite game is uh cubert and uh, if you haven't played it i i greatly recommend it uh cubert that's it in and my, my second favorite game is Xavius. Um, Let's see if I can find that as well. This um, geometrical game uh, is, is, is really fun. So... Uh, this is serious. 82, yeah. So it, I said the uh, 90s, but uh, absolutely the 80s. And um, come on. Wow. I never had YouTube not coming up. Hello. Okay, this is it. And and playing these games was uh, was really wonderful. I, I greatly enjoyed it and uh, uh, I am very happy that we have this machine that allows me to, to play them uh, uh, again and to play them also together with my sons uh, who have fun. Uh, and uh, this kind of uh, technological nostalgia is uh, absolutely positive and, and, and justified. And uh, it is um, uh, it is um, good fun, good fun. Um, also, uh, these can last uh, a long time if you are very good, but I'm not very good anymore, so I can't afford to play just a few minutes. Because what I cannot do now is to play uh, with uh, the console games that uh, require hours uh, of gameplay and uh, i i just don't feel i can justify the investment in in time that they they require and um 
so I play console games uh, vicariously uh, through my children and uh, and uh, then they tell me oh this is great you should really play that and and so on okay so that was uh, huh oh look at that so robin good uh, is uh, confirming let let me share this because this is fun uh, i i dropped back into the into the discord server so uh, let me share that. I am sharing now the application window so that I can let you see it better. So there you go. So he says, do you remember where we were? And he says, I'm following the stream on YouTube. I think we were in Rome. Let me respond. I think we were in Rome. <laughs> and 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 that must have been like 12 years ago. And and he was uh, streaming uh, back then and I uh, and I was uh, a guest on his stream or something. So this is fun talking about online and offline and things like that. Okay, let's go to the next question. Okay, how do you see the world 50 years after the technological singularity. Okay, this is a fun question. So, first of all, uh, it, is, uh, uh, it is worth uh, uh, confirming that the technological singularity is uh, a, a theoretical concept. Uh, it is, um, let, me, let me kill this because it sends an echo. Okay. Um, the, the technological singularity is a theoretical concept. Uh, it may happen. It may not happen. We don't know. It, it is about an age dominated by artificial intelligence, uh, similarly to how, for example, our age is dominated by uh, bacteria, that whose metabolism generates uh, uh, oxygen and and uh, multicellular organisms while vegetation consumes uh, co2 and generates ox oxygen right so there has been a time before where the metabolism was different because uh, there wasn't um, oxygen available in the in the atmosphere, and the whole different ecosystem lived and dominated Earth. And then many things happened that made this uh, transformation possible. And now we almost don't even remember how it was. Well, 
humans don't remember because the previous era was literally billions of years ago. The shift between oxygen consuming and oxygen producing happened uh, uh, many, many, uh, well, many, uh, a couple of billions uh, of years ago. But we have traces of that left. So, for example, in volcanic uh, vents, uh, in the uh, oceanic trenches, um, four, six, eight thousand meters underwater, there is warmth because of uh, these underground emissions of uh, heat from the core of Earth. And that warmth enables organisms to live. And those organisms feed on a metabolism that doesn't need oxygen because there isn't any. So those are the tiny places where, where those uh, organisms live. Now, of course, it is their entire world. For them, that is not tiny. For them, that is literally their universe. If you ask them, they would say, our world is beautiful and complex, and uh, we count on it uh, going on forever, and uh, we wish we would be able to explore more, and we are sure we would be able to adapt to whatever is elsewhere because we recognize our worth. So, if and when artificial intelligence is going to become a force that not only we use, but it will acquire self-directedness, it will require, uh, acquire autonomy, and it will acquire a non-trivial desire to set its own goals as a consequence of that autonomy and the ability to modify itself in order to be better adapted in the achievement of those goals, that will be the threshold of what we call technological singularity. So, is a self-driving car something that belongs to uh, what we call artificial intelligence? Absolutely. Is a self-driving car uh, the um, precursor of the technological singularity? Absolutely not, for many reasons. For example, its intelligence is extremely specific. It is not a general intelligence. It cannot apply its intelligence to any problem. It can drive a car very well, hopefully soon, uncontrovertibly better than any human ever could so that we stop killing ourselves and each other in cars but it will not set itself to any other goal of exploring the universe or understanding uh, microbiology or anything else we need a general intelligence so only if and when there will be artificial general intelligences 
that is when we will then be able to ask ourselves is this are you maybe we will be able to ask it are you aiming to ask yourself what could you do and if you ask yourself that question do you expect to analyze the question and to weigh the pros and the cons of the possible answers and then to execute and act on those answers depending on what you find and uh, depending on that answer the technological singularity may happen or not and if it happens we will find ourselves like the ancient bacterial life living in the volcanic vents at the bottom of the ocean who felt that they understood everything about the world and the universe and they realized that they don't and they are surprised and exhilarated and excited and um, they may try to participate and whether they do or they they don't greatly depends in their ability to overcome their own limitations their very nature um transcending our human nature is going to be a huge quest and a huge question and how we answer that question individually and as a species will define even if we are going to see the world 50 years after the technological singularity because it potentially is going to be very different maybe not on earth maybe not around humans that responded in the negative the humans that said i don't want to overcome my humanness will live on earth possibly under very similar circumstances as today with more technological gizmos hopefully with less um anguish and 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 less stress due to limitations in circumstances like where you are born how lucky you are what are your genes those will be addressed and then those humans will be able to have a wonderful life exploring their civilization and and, and living out their lives but everything that matters will happen in terms of changing the solar system and potentially changing the universe at a scale and in variables and in manners that those humans will scarcely perceive they may perceive it astronomically pointing their telescopes and asking themselves what is going on and then uh answering oh yeah the powers 
as Werner Vinge calls them, the powers that were born out of the technological singularity are building their dreams. But we chose to stay behind. So those that participate will see the world, and I mean the universe, not Earth, in a manner that is both different and the same. Different because very different things are going to happen in it. But a little bit the same because in different layers of abstraction and in different ways, but there will be limitations, there will be conflict, there will be desire and anger and sadness. So there will be a little bit of self-similarity in it as well. So Marco, thank you very much for that question. Oh, uh, a similar one coming from Emiliano again. Uh, would you upload your brain into the cloud if you could? So that is just one way of transcending your traditional human nature, right? Uh, uploading your consciousness in a different substrate is going to be one of the possibilities and I personally would do it in the full understanding that it wouldn't be me. I mean, it wouldn't be me a second later that it woke up and said hello because its experiences would start to diverge right away and uh, it would stop being the me that uploaded. Now, there are, of course, a lot of details and many devils in all those details. Would the uploading process be destructive? Or would both of us exist? Uh, could I do it many times over? Uh, I gave a talk about this. Uh, let, me, let me search for it right away. Uh, it was... Um, north of New York uh, at a TEDx and uh, I called it Parallel Lives. And uh, Parallel Lives uh, was a, um, my concept of instantiating your uh, opportunity of uh, being in the cloud in uh, an uploaded uh, identity, but realizing that you could uh, do more and live more than just once. And um, so if you want, you can, uh, you can watch this. Um, and uh, I talk about uh, how uh, this is going to be the way that many people choose to, to live, uh, not just once, but in parallel, many, many identities. Okay. So there are still a lot of questions, but I don't think I will be able to cover many more. Let me just check this off and uh, take... Um, a last one. Um, I will take the last one from Gianluigi. 
when do you expect nanobots to be available for repairing brain damage or aging? So I don't like to be called a futurist, even though I do have to deal with the future every day, just like all of you. Uh, professional futurists get it wrong so often. It is embarrassing. And uh, it is uh, a good and necessary trap, but still it is a trap where the probability of getting something right is minimal and uh, the reward of getting it right is also minimal. People tend to remember the futurists that get it wrong much more. So anyway, let's attempt to answer this tricky question. Nanotechnology has been identified as a potential endeavor in engineering uh, in, the, in the 50s. Uh, Richard Feynman um, gave a talk and that uh, was entitled, There is Plenty Room at the Bottom. Um, and um, and, and this, this talk um, was very um, generative. There were a, a lot of things that were born out of this talk. And one of the things that were born uh, was that one of Richard Feynman's students, Eric Drexler, was greatly inspired. And he went ahead to um, write a couple of very influential books, Engines of Creation, that was uh, for a general public talking about nanotechnology, and uh, the other uh, book that he wrote uh, uh, about the same time is um, nanosystems, molecular machinery, manufacturing, and computation. And by the way, Engines of Creation is available now for free. I really recommend uh, reading it. It's wonderful. And very little happened for the past 40 years in terms of nanotechnology, very little. For 40 years, we did not execute on the dreams and the ambitions of Feynman and Drexler and so many others. Another one that I would like to, to mention is uh, Merkel. Um, Ralph uh, Merkel, uh, who you can see here uh, in a photo of mine taken at the Singularity Summit in what I would say 2007. There you go, 2007. The Singularity Summit was organized by the Singularity Institute, and it was a precursor to 
the Singularity University and the Singularity University Summit. Um, and Rolf became one of the founding faculty of Singularity uh, University. Uh, and uh, I must have a video with him as well. Um, it's not popping up. Oh, there you go. So uh, you may want to watch this video too because it talks about um oh it's funny uh wired came uh, there too because they published uh, these videos uh on the website of the of the magazine so it, here ralph uh, talks about molecular manufacturing uh, and and stuff like that uh, i will put uh, all of these in the in the links uh, of um of the video so back to the question if for 50 years and more we did nothing can we reasonably expect a breakthrough and within the next 5 10 20 years nanotechnology to be more than what painfully it became chemistry basically stainless pants those are the pinnacles of nanotechnology now i'm exaggerating because um, we are at the nanoscale in electronics, for example. But all of it is from top down. None of it is from the bottom up. The best examples of bottom up uh, nanotechnology we have are viruses. And we are starting to engineer viruses. And there is a, an episode of... Uh, um, searching for the question live with... Andy Hassel, that uh, if you are curious about nanotechnology, you should watch. Because in this episode, we do talk about nanotechnology, even if we call it um, synthetic biology, it is actually nanotechnology. That is what it is. And, um, and so we have to make sure that we understand what we are talking about that uh, that what we are talking about can be much more than not what we think it could be but still whether it is synthetic biology whether it is molecular manufacturing bottom-up engineering it can only happen if we believe in it if we apply passion talent and financial resources and um, it cannot happen otherwise so are people doing that at at very very low levels i would say at least a thousand times less funding than it would be necessary maybe a million times less funding so millions of dollars spent in this rather than billions or trillions and if we were to spend billions or trillions then yes we would have nanobots repairing brain damage and aging um let's say in uh 
five years, but uh, we are not, so we won't. And until we do, we will just not have it. We will not have it. Uh, future is saying it's 10 years in the future. It's easy to say that because it will always be 10 years in the future. So I I want uh, I want to be pessimistic for once. I love to be optimistic, but I want to be pessimistic. We will not have nanobots repairing the brain and aging in 10 years. Sorry. So Emiliano is asking, can he ask a last question? All right, Emiliano, you are a wonderful, loyal fan. And absolutely, I give you the opportunity to ask the last question. But the remaining questions will be brought forward uh, for the next uh, AMA. So go ahead. You have a few seconds allowing for delay between uh, the stream getting to you and you typing the question. I don't know where you are typing it. Uh, I have to look at the various platforms. Okay, so it is not on Discord. And uh, it is, uh, let's see if it is on Slido. Uh, let me take this off in the meantime. Ah. What? <laughs> okay, you got me. Ah, oh, that was funny. Emiliano says, his last question was, can we ask other questions? Yes, you can ask other questions, but not today. You have to ask other questions, and so you can do that. Uh, there will be another Slido, and I will set it up. Uh, close to uh, the uh, AMA, the next one, whenever it is going to be, maybe in a month or so. But if you want to start uh, building questions uh, and have people comment on your questions and do all those kinds of fun things, you should really go to the Discord server, uh, just like Robin Good did and uh, uh, Luca Bertelli and... Um, uh, Mark LaRue and Joe Penny, right? A lot of people came to the, the to the server. And thank you, Guido. Uh, Guido says that uh, the AMA has been extraordinarily engaging. So thank you, Guido. Um, and uh, if uh, all of you want to have these kinds of conversations, not only synchronously, but also a little more asynchronously. Well, come to the come to the Discord server. All right. So thank you very much. This was uh, fun uh, for me as well. Thanks for all the cool questions. And uh, I will post uh, the um, the links uh, in the uh, comment section or the description section, whatever uh, is that uh, one does. And um, please uh, subscribe to my Italian channel if you speak Italian. Uh, you can subscribe if you don't speak Italian too, but uh, I don't know how much you would enjoy it. Um, we will have uh, uh, an Italian language uh, ask me anything as well. 
uh, with different questions, with different people, and people who don't speak English, uh, who should be able to enjoy that too. And um, of course, uh, if you um, want to become a supporter or a fan or a sponsor or a benefactor, uh, these are the four tiers on Patreon. You're welcome to join patreon.com slash David Orban to do that. Thank you very much and uh, see you in the uh, next episode of uh, Searching for the Question Live. <laughs>